Hello and welcome to I Assure You We're Podcasting, the show on Talk Film Society where we look at the work of Kevin Smith. I'm Mike and I'm joined once again by Marcelo. How's it going, Marcelo? Hey, it's going great, Mike. Thanks for having me on again to talk about Kevin Smith and the movie we're talking about this week. Hello. Yes, the movie that we're talking about this week is the seventh film by Kevin Smith, Clerks 2. Yes. Came out in uh, 2007, and this was kind of a surprise initially because he very clearly ended the View universe with Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back you know, burning that bridge so that he could, uh, maybe not burning that bridge, burning that boat. Isn't that what, <laughs> what those guys did when they came over to America? They burned the boats so that what they couldn't go back. Are you talking about, talking about the Boston Tea Party? I'm not sure what you're no, talking no, no, about. No, 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 no. I'm talking about like whoever it was, Ponce de Leon or Magellan or Columbus or whoever. Feels like I should like, know this, but I don't. I'm not they, sure. They, they, in order to motivate their uh, their crew to, you know, Established themselves in America, they burned their boats so that they couldn't go back. Oh, okay, yeah. So, so to to further himself or to motivate himself, I guess to to venture new ground, he goes, "I'm going to burn this ship and never go back to the Fusk universe." In a way, is what you're saying? Yes, yes, that's what he did, and he, uh, you know, made Jersey Girl, and he had plans. To do Green Hornet after Jersey Girl. I mean, that was, I mean, it was a a done deal. It wasn't just like something that, you know, I mean, it was announced he was working on the script. I guess he wrote the the script. I mean, it eventually became a comic. I, uh, you know, not to jump to the movie already, but listening to the commentary today um, recorded by Smith and the cast and crew. Uh, they do they do talk about the Green Hornet script and the project that didn't end up happening. And yeah, uh, the script was done. Um, at one point, uh, Jennifer Schwalbach was talking about it and how, <laughs> and and you might cover this in a bit, but uh, it was it was interesting to hear her say, like, yeah, I read the Green Hornet script, and Kevin, I wanted you to make it because it would have been better for your career. <laughs> 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 anyway, yeah, I, it's, it's it's kind of interesting. I mean, but I think it does exist as a comic book now. I have the comic. I haven't read it. I'm ashamed to say, but it's cool to see that there's these alternate realities uh, in in Kevin Smith's uh, canon, which you know are sprinkled throughout the the universe. Um, but he decided instead. I think after Jersey Girl flopped, he decided to return to his roots and and you know he talked a lot about it at the time he he was very sort of like he, he's so weird because he'll like be very vague about what his upcoming you know his next project is and yet you get him talking and he's he'll just say everything right like yeah. I was just listening to this podcast with him today that he was doing with his wife and he's like oh I'm working on a new thing and you know I posted the first like half page online and it shows you know like 1986 and I, my, my address from where the, the house where I grew up and you know everyone's like oh is it going to be this thing and I was like oh it wasn't going to be this thing but now that everyone's saying that it's totally <laughs> going to be that thing oh, and he's no. like he's like I'm not going to say what that thing is 
And then he's like, oh, fuck it. I'll just say what that thing is. <laughs> and he just, <laughs> he just goes into it. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, oh, you know, he's like, it's very much, you know, then he's like, I mean, he says what I think everyone kind of assumed, which is it's sort of like, it's his, his fablemans or whatever, you know, yeah. I mean, it's going to be a memoir, but like not like a fictionalized memoir. And I, you know, not, not to already derail this, but like, it's, <laughs> Yeah, I'm, uh, maybe I'm just realizing it, but it, or maybe it's just happening more and more. But there's a lot of that going around with like, uh, I mean, Roma, um, Belfast, uh, now the Fablemans, and now the Kevin Smith Project. Does it have a name? Like the the new one? He no, he hasn't revealed. Well, he said it has a name, but he hasn't revealed it yet. Yeah. Um, what are the bets? This could be in black and white. Even I mean, it, <laughs> I mean, I, I uh, at this point, I would like to see what he comes up with because uh, it, it it might be something we haven't seen from him before. So who knows? But you know more about it than I do, Mike. Uh, well, the thing that I'm hoping for is since it is a fictionalized version and everything, I'm like, make it take place in Clerk's continuity. Make it Clerk Zero. You know. <laughs> Make the main character Randall, you know, just like a sixteen-year-old yeah. Randall. That would be awesome. But, um, but no, I don't know what it is. The one thing that he said. I mean, this is the other Kevin Smith news that that dropped a couple days ago. He is buying the his childhood oh, theater. Yeah, I, I saw that headline. He's buying that theater, and uh, which is great because uh, he has already bought. What is it that he bought in in Jersey? Did, did did he not buy the quick stop or or, or was that something else? No, it, like next door to the quick stop, like in the same building, he built uh, the Smod Castle. As he, oh, okay, that's I think that's what I was thinking of. Like a podcast theater, essentially, you know. Yeah, yeah. But now he's going to be able to do that, you know, at this place too. He's calling it like Smod Castle Theater or something like that. Um, but uh, you know, one of the things which he said in that piece about him buying the theater, he said that he's going to shoot his new movie there. Like his uh-huh. new movie will like take place at least in part at the movie theater. So that's kind of an interesting little thing. Yeah. Little tidbit. But it's like that movie I never saw a uh, cinema parody. So, right. Is that not the plot? <laughs> Cinema, par- uh, cinema paradiso. Yeah, I mean, it's about like a, a projectionist who befriends like a little kid who hangs out at the theater all the time, and how the love of movies is, you know, whatever universal and all this other stuff. And you don't like it. <laughs> the thing that that just annoys the shit out of me with that movie is that it is considered to be a masterpiece, and it is considered to be the definitive, the Citizen Kane of movies about projectionists, right? <laughs> uh-huh. And yet the film projection in that movie is so terribly portrayed. Like, they're not even trying to make it somewhat... It's not like, you. oh, well, if you don't know, like, it doesn't make any sense at all. Like, it drives me up the freaking wall. Not just like... Oh God, I just can't. I just can't <laughs> you, we we need to do like a, another episode covering this or something because it, it, it seems like it's something that's been just just you've been thinking about forever. Like. I I've, I've <laughs> talked about it before. It's it's yeah. 
whatever. <laughs> we could talk about something else. Yeah. So. yeah. Okay. Um, so, so the, this, this, uh, this, this movie that, that, that Kevin Smith is making. Yeah. It, it's, it's interesting. He, I mean, the, the thing that he, he brought up that he, you know, there's this very sort of like famous, um, series in his, in his Smodcast, uh, podcast where he's, um, <laughs> he pulls out these, these tapes, that he uh-huh. made when he was like 16 years old, where basically like 16 or 19 or whatever, 16-year-old Kevin Smith would ride around town on his bicycle with a tape recorder and just record his thoughts. <laughs> so his philosophies, his musings on life and everything like that. And it's as embarrassing as you could possibly imagine. And on this podcast, he plays the tapes and then stops to basically make fun of himself. Well, yeah, that's insane, first off. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. I don't... It, okay, you can call it amazing. I can call it something else. But it, oh, I guess it's just wild that, like, he... It, I guess it's not surprising to, to, to think of 16-year-old Kevin Smith basically doing a <laughs> podcast before podcasts, right? That's one. Yeah. And then it's also not surprising that he would just, just release that <laughs> as content. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious. You got it. You got to listen to it. It's great. Um, but regardless, so, you know, everyone was like, "Oh, please tell me you're doing emo Kev in this thing." And he's like, "I wasn't, but now I totally am." Yes, so that's going to be like the first five minutes of the movie. So whatever. Anyway, um, that's the future, but the yeah. past clerks too. So. Yeah, going back to that, going back to the, the where we were going on this tangent or whatever initially, like he would have these hints. You know, he would say like, "Well, I'm not doing um, Green Hornet anymore. I'm going to do something small. I'm going to go back to my roots. I'm going to do something independent." He was talking about shooting it on mini DV. You know, this is back before digital was like a real thing. You know, he's like, do it on mini DV, you know, like essentially try to make it the same way I would have made clerks if I were making a movie today for the first time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, then it it was revealed like, oh yeah, he's, he's just making clerks too. And (laughs) it's like, okay, that's crazy. You know? Um, cause he just said, He's not going to do that anymore. Um, and yet here he did it. So, um, yeah. When did you first see Clerks 2? Now, this is one of those movies that 2006. Uh, where was I in 2006? Uh, July 2006. It was a... I, uh, what I'm trying to remember at this point, and I do not know for 100 percent if I if I if I did this, if I saw Clerks two in theaters, I, I'm sure I I would have. Uh, I don't see why I would not have. Um, but I do remember just being obsessed with this movie once it hit DVD, right? Because at this point, I was all in on Smith, as I previously mentioned, like on the Mallrats and uh, uh, Dogma portion of the show I was on. Like, is around for through like me seeing clerks like in '99 through everything he, he uh released, ex- for the exception of Jersey Girl, which I still have not seen. Um, everything else I I I loved, um, James Solid Bob Strike Back, you know, Dogma, all that stuff, the animated show, 
And now, hey, Clark's too. I'm excited because I, I love the first Clark's and I love everything he's done so far. Minus Jersey Girl. I haven't seen that. Um, so I was all in. So I don't remember if I saw it in theaters, uh, but I definitely saw it on DVD many times. Um, revisiting the DVD now. Sorry, the Blu-ray now because I think they released the Blu-ray years after the, the DVD. Um I, I'm like, yeah, th- listening to the commentary earlier uh, and also like digging through like some of the bonus features, like this, is, it, I, I had the realization like this is actually a very pivotal movie for me in my sort of like in quotes young, you know, uh, f- you know, a, a film fan fandom, I guess it's like, um, which grew later uh, when his next movie came out because well, he did um what do you do after this, Mike? R- it, r- remind me. Uh, Zach and, Zach and Mary. Mary, right? Yeah. After after this, Zach and Mary, which I loved. And so this was like the tail end of my Kevin Smith fandom <laughs> is this is, is these next two movies, Clerks 2 and Zach and Mary, because after that, he lost me, unfortunately. But no, I was still very much in the Kevin Smith is great camp. And even though like I had my issues with the movie, like even back then I had my issues with the movie. And now, yes, I still have my issues with the movie. Overall, like I, I enjoy it. It's like it's. I like that Smith at this point, and I may have mentioned this in uh, in the past episodes too. It's like um, th- this is the era of Smith that I enjoy because he's like he's well aware of like what how like where his strengths lie. I think, and he he does tend to in a way sort of re- not necessarily repeat himself, but. He goes to safe places, <laughs> and I think he does do great things in these safe places. And when I say safe places, I mean like writing for these sick characters he's been writing for for it's like seemingly like what two decades at this point now, or seemingly uh, a decade and a half. So sure, like go back to the well, but the well is fine. There's good water in the well. That's not a good example. That's not a good saying, but you know what I mean. So yeah, I, uh, having said all that, saw it. You know, back when it came out, thoroughly enjoyed it. Took a break from it after revisiting it this year. I'm like, yeah, it's still good, still holds up. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, I saw it uh, when it first came out. You know, obviously, but it was this weird time <laughs> for for some. Okay, so so I was like sitting around. Um, uh, talking to my friend and he was like uh I, I know a guy who doesn't watch trailers for movies mm-hmm. at all he's like he just doesn't do he doesn't look at advertising he doesn't do anything he wants to go into every single movie blind and i'm like that's a little crazy like how does he do that like he just doesn't wa- like what happens when he goes to see a movie and he's like he covers up his his uh, ears and he closes his eyes and he waits until the trailers are over i'm like what about posters what about billboards how does he avoid and he's like well you know i mean sometimes something will catch his eye or whatever but he just doesn't look at anything and i'm like that is so weird i need to do that And uh, basically, I started like right after episode three, Revenge of the Sith came out. So like summer of 2005. And I went, the one that, where where I kind of like fell off the wagon, I guess, was uh, Superman Returns. There was Uh a Superman Returns trailer attached to like Harry Potter 
12 or whatever it was. And I was like, oh, 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 let's watch the Superman return. I don't know why, but that was it. And then, so in this time frame, like Mission Impossible 3 was the one that stood out to me, where I, did, I went into that completely blind. Um, but then the other wow. one was, uh, was Clerks 2. And with Clerks 2, you know, it was particularly interesting because, um, Obviously, being a big fan of the first one, I had certain ideas of what the second one would be, and like I, w- I did see some some pictures and stuff, and I did know that you know working at a movies was an element, but mm-hmm. I didn't realize that like the quick stop had burned down and they were, you know, <laughs> fully yeah. at a, a fast food place for the entire you know movie and. Um, I saw, so I saw it, I saw an early screening for like exhibitors. So it was like, just like me, like alone with my thoughts, you know, and everything. And, um, I I mean, I absolutely loved it. I put it at number two on the year right behind Mission Impossible 3. But, uh, you know, a lot of that I think is similar to what, what I was talking about with Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, you know, last time, which is like, how much of that is just me, you know, giving it a pass or whatever because it's clerks, you know? Yeah, I, I totally see that. And I think initially when I saw it, I may have given it like a bit of a pass. Like here's the thing. And I guess like something that just, I realized today, and and this is not my first time seeing the movie this year. Like I saw it back in March, just, when I was on a Kevin Smith kick, I rewatched some of his films. So back then, uh, I, I I just basically came to the conclusion: it's like, okay, Kevin Smith, um, you know, is still making good movies at this point. Clerks Two is good. Like that, I, I wanted to prove that to myself. It's like, okay, is, is Clerks Two good? From what I remember, rewatch it. Okay, it's good. Seeing it now today, like I uh, the the question about giving it a pass, like that. Like, uh, sure, some of this, again, I'll say that again, some of it does not hold up, but I think the stuff that holds up is, and I was saying this also, like, during the Mallrats episode, I think, um, where, like, he, and, and even the, even me talking about uh, Jane and Bob reboot, like, he does this thing where it's like, no matter how rocky the ground is before, like, the third act, like, I think his endings always seem so sincere and emotional and always win me over, even in reboot. Um, and especially in clerks too, I realized because that the final scene in the jail cell, like it, it, I, I can't help but love the movie at that point. Cause that may be the best scene he's ever written. Kevin Smith, maybe. Um, but I just can't help but like love it and like love the characters and, all the qualms I had before, like uh, the question about giving it a pass because it's Clerks and it's like Kevin Smith, all that all that goes away for me, you know, watching it now. And also considering that they're in the age, in a, the, they're in the, uh, the, what, they're 33 in the movie in Clerks 2. Yeah. And I, yeah, and I'm 35. <laughs> so it's basically, they're going through a lot of the same things I've been going through in my, mid, in, you know, early, you know, to mid 30s. So that's wild to see in 2022. Like how I kind of grew into these characters in a way, um, not like a not like a direct one to one, but I see similarities, right? 
and that's my point like with smith it's like he he he's had enough life experience of course where he puts a lot of himself in these movies and sort of like a revelation was hearing him on the commentary say oh no like when i was growing up working at the convenience store it's like uh growing up he had uh dreams of buying that store eventually which becomes a plot point at the end of clerks 2 and he goes, yeah, like these movies are my like alternate universe. Like they're they're what would have happened to me if I didn't become a filmmaker. He says essentially, and that sort of like kind of blew my mind. It's like, oh, that kind of makes sense. Like he sees himself in these characters, and that makes me excited for Clerks Three when he adds that element of like surviving a heart attack to the whole thing. So um, that's just my way of saying like it, 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 I think it goes beyond just being like a Kevin Smith movie for me. Like he actually has something to say and something profound to say at the end of this movie. So that's what makes it work for me. Yeah. I mean, I, I really do like that idea of, um, you know, coming to terms with what it is that makes you happy, even if it's not what society says should make you happy. You know, if yeah. it means, you know, something doing something as simple as, running a convenience store or working at a convenience store, you know, for, for the rest of your life, if that's your, your dream or if that's, if that's what makes you happy, I mean, then, then great. You know, I mean, I, I had a similar thing, you know, like, I mean, when I was, I mean, the, the fact of the matter is like, if, if money was no object, I mean, the most fun I ever had was working at, a comic book store, you know, I would love to do that, you know, yeah. and, you know, working as, you know, a projectionist, I mean, the reason why I did that for so long was because I love that so much, even though it paid next to nothing. And it's like, yeah, I mean, I totally get it. I totally get where he's, he's coming from, you know, in that regard. Yeah. And, and yeah, it, it, um, again, like it goes beyond like the ass to mouth jokes. Like it, it's something universal, I think, in a way of like how he sees friendships and growing up. And like personally, like it, that, that whole conversation about like, it's like, yeah, you're my best friend. And what am I going to do now? Like it's hard for me to make friends because I hate everything. Like everything Randall says at the end. It's like that, that's, that's profound for me because I kind of have that, have had that same thing happen to me in the last few years. And, and yeah, like to, like, like you're saying before, it's like, it's un, it's an unconventional way of thinking where you would think to grow up, you have to like move away, start your own life and like leave your friends behind. But this movie says, you know, you don't have to do that. You can find happiness in a way that may seem like a, a step back or, you know, who would want to buy a convenience store? It's like these people would, because like, <laughs> it's like they're, yeah, it's, it, 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 it it's sort of like what he does best here, like in like Chasing Amy or like uh, a movie that deals with like, you know, these relationships that aren't necessarily like the ones you see like in movies, right? It's like, I, it's like kind of like saying, how can these two friends remain friends throughout the years? And how can that work like in real life, right? It's like they, they've been together for so long. They seem to like hate each other at times, but yet they're best friends. And that resonance definitely hits me very hard <laughs> nowadays. And it may not have hit me as much, you know, back when I saw it in, tw- in 2006. Definitely works now. So, yeah, I guess that's a long-winded way of saying, like, it's... It, I think it's universal, the, the things he's saying here, which is great. It's because it's 
Clerks fucking too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like part of like a franchise that uh, you know that founded by Smith. Who you know we, we've talked about Smith before, but like the more I listen to him talk about these movies in retrospect years later, the more I guess respect I have for him as a filmmaker because he's a lot more personal than I I guess realized, or uh, he's more personal of a director now thinking about it in retrospect than I thought he was, you know, back when I first saw these movies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so looking at sort of like the evolution of him as a filmmaker, I mean, this is kind of an interesting turning point in his career to me, at least because after, you know, after resetting with chasing Amy and, and people saying like, okay, we should take you seriously it then became this sort of like gradual, you know, build where it's like, here's what you need to do. You need to get a new cinematographer. You know, you got to, you know, up your budgets. You got to, whatever it was, you know. And the cinematographer thing in particular, you know, where it's like, you got to get rid of that guy who, who shot Clerks because obviously, I mean, everyone talks about how terrible Clerks looks. You got to, you know, hire whether it's Wes Anderson's cinematographer or Sam Raimi's or whatever, you know, or Steven Spielberg's. And, and you know, none of these things working well for Smith, really. This is the one where he said, I'm bringing back my guy. I'm bringing back Dave Klein. And, I mean, it's really interesting, like, listening to Klein talk because he was just like thrown aside right by the powers that be and in that time he didn't just like say like well it was good while it lasted he was like okay now is my time to learn this craft and he basically started at the bottom even though he had like credits of like you know shooting like you know major motion pictures on his resume he had to like start at the bottom in camera departments and learn how to shoot like a big budget movie. Yeah. And he came back with like a lot more skills at his disposal and everything. And of course now he's been nominated for Emmys for, you know, uh, Homeland. He's, you know, the cinematographer on Mandalorian and book of Boba Fett. And he's like, you know, a-list he's i mean at least as far as like tv is concerned so the the there's two things which i find to be interesting about like sort of the the look of this movie one even though he's going back to his roots it looks a lot bigger a lot i mean like a lot more expensive a lot more polished than yeah. than his other stuff. And the other thing which I find interesting is it I feel like as far as the direction is concerned, he's sort of been like unburdened by like having to work inside of a box that someone wanted to put him in. And now he's like, I'm doing this with my friend. My friend knows what I like and I'm allowed to let loose as a, as a director because I don't have to worry about how it looks, you know? Yeah. And it's, uh, the movie looks great. I think, um, 
especially during the uh, the dance sequence, mm-hmm. <laughs> which surprised me on a rewatch because I completely I, I knew it was going to happen, but I completely forgot how during that sequence with Rosario Dawson dancing on the roof, which is indelibly one of the best scenes of all time. Um, like the, the the color palette changes, it becomes more colorful. Um, and then when that scene ends and we go back to reality, all the color that you like, it's like, it's something I didn't notice, I guess, uh, before, or I guess really noticed this time. It's like so much color is added during that sequence. It becomes so beautiful. It's so well shot. And then we come back out of that into reality and it's like the color is like sucked out of it. (laughs) And I'm like, Oh God, it's so simple. Sure. It may be like, you know, you know, a cinematography one Oh one, but to see it done so well, I think is is great. And then like the rest of the movie like looks great too. I, I love the lighting of it. I I actually didn't know that Klein had to go through all that just to come back to do Clerks too. You know, um, but it's great. I I just found out that he did the the Mandalorian and Boba Fett, and I think he says he does great work on those shows too. So yeah, it's smooth. This movie looks good, and I'm glad they went with making it look like a 2006 movie rather than like trying to replicate. The look of like the first movie of Clerks. Um, it would have been an interesting experiment, I guess, but I'm glad it came out this way because it, it, it looks like a really good movie. I mean, it's a sort of a dumb thing to say, but when it comes to Kevin Smith, I mean, it, this is much more, this is better directed than Dogma, I think. And I love Dogma, but Dogma has its problems, but I think this looks a lot better. And maybe it's because he does feel more comfortable now, like with like this these characters this world and like his cast and crew so yeah like like to your point mike maybe he just felt more comfortable about the whole thing that's why it looks so much better yeah i mean part of me does kind of wish that he would have gone back to the same style as clerks i mean not necessarily like visually but maybe like making it I don't know. There's something about Clerks, like like watching this one in particular. You know, it it really does feel like he kind of stumbled onto Clerks. Um, like he didn't really know how to tell a story and 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 everything. Yeah. And and what came out was sort of a perfect storm. And and here, you know, it, it's much more kind of like standard in a way in terms of like telling a story. And there's also it's not as grounded in reality in that, you know, a lot of the humor is more slapsticky, like all of the stuff with like Elias is kind of, I feel like a little too over the top. Like, I mean, there's some things where I I just like cringe, like, like Elias, like the shot of Elias, like in the, (laughs) in, in the jail cell where it's just like, his butt is just like sticking up in the air for some reason. Like Uh what is that even supposed to be? Like you're, it's essentially it kind of like breaks the reality of the scene for me, you know, when you do things like that. And Uh, yeah, but, but what you're saying is like, this is like a, uh, you're saying it wouldn't happen that way. If he decided to shoot it, like he shot the, the first clerks, and I feel like you know there, there's there's a way that there's a tone which you could adopt, okay. you know, which yeah he he has in the first Clerks he has it again in Chasing Amy and I don't think he's ever really had it since. I, um, I see that point because I, I I think that's the tone I was talking about when I talked about Mallrats sort of like that sort of um, cartoonish right. antics sort of thing that is not fully grounded in reality. 
And I see that less here than in Mallrats, because there's a lot of it in Mallrats. Mm-hmm. But I see your point, though. Uh, t- tonally, sure, it's not the same level as Clerks 1. And I think you're right that he, that movie just happened by accident. It's like everything yeah. happened in a way that you could not replicate now. Um, even maybe if, I don't know. It's hard to say how it would have turned out if he had done it trying to replicate, you know, fully what he did in Clerks 1. You know, if he did that for Clerks 2. I don't know how that would have turned out. So that's an interesting thing to think about, especially considering, you know, even his wife was saying, take Green Hornet because I'll challenge you as a filmmaker. <laughs> yeah. It's like that's – it, 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 it's interesting to think about, especially when we get to talking about the other thing we're going to talk about because I have thoughts on that too uh, with him as a director. But, but yeah, I – like this proves to me more that he is a good filmmaker. Like if anything, um, also Zach and Mary make a porno. He he does films like this really well. Like low budget comedies um, that are shot traditionally, like in this way. And I wish he did more of this kind of stuff and less tusks and yoga hosers. But but yeah, I, I uh, the the tone here I think works for me, but. Has he done something on the same tone of Clerks since Clerks? I can't think of it. Uh, I again, I haven't seen Jersey Girl. I haven't seen Cop Out. I'm assuming no on those. <laughs> I, I mean, as far as like the original Clerks is concerned, yeah, I, I would I, say Chasing Amy. Chasing Amy is the only one, right? Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. And I, I am I'm willing to willing to bet that uh, Clerks Three is not not the same tone as the first Clerks. It, it, it'll be more like Clerks Two. I'm assuming. Yeah, I think you're probably right. I think you're probably right. And and uh, that's something which, you know, is kind of interesting looking at Clerks 2 um, or Clerks 3. You know, so in Clerks 2, there are added elements. Obviously, the big one is moving the setting to the, uh, the movies. But then you also have uh, some additional characters, you know, most notably um, Elias played by uh, Trevor Furman. And then um, uh, Becky, played by Rosario Dawson. Yeah. And uh, yeah, well, I guess what do you what do you think about the the two of them? Um, I for ooh, who do I start with first? Let's start with um, Trevor as Elias. Um, Trevor Furman. Uh, I mean, I think he was like maybe the biggest issue I had with the movie back when I first saw it. Because it felt very much, to your point, like sort of too much, maybe a bit too a bit too much of a caricature in this movie as like this young guy who doesn't know anything about sex or is like too innocent, and then he becomes you know a sex pervert by the end, um, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, or you know we're, that's the joke. And then like, I like that the final punchline is the guy who has the donkey has like that long, you know, speech about like, let's not judge people about what they like or, or, or not. Um, I think that was great anyway. But I think, uh, Elias is a character. Uh, you, you, you have to have like these sort of like satellite characters to sort of, uh, uh, um, you know, uh, compliments the, the two main leads. Cause like, I love the actual story of, uh, Randall and Elias, like sort of Randall becoming, or trying to become like friends or a mentor to Elias because Randall is coming to, he's coming to terms with like a, a Dante leaving 
And like, what's Randall going to do now? Like, he has to have a friend, and why not be this guy? I've been in that situation before, actually. <laughs> like, working with somebody kind of like Elias. Uh, in a, a a reason why this sort of connects with me now more is like I did spend time working at a Target <laughs> for a while, and so some of what they had to deal with, like with customers and whatnot. I kind of had to deal with that too, dealing with customers like date for, on a day-to-day basis. But in working that job, like you do find yourself like in sort of these like uh, work acquaintances, friendships where you don't really choose them. They just sort of happen. And I like that he's the type of person, Elias is the type of person who you would meet at a job like this. So that's what I like about his character nowadays. Um, so I think I think he's good, and I, I'm excited to see him in Clerks Three. I, I wonder, you know, uh, how the characters changed like in ten years, uh, fifteen years, I guess. Jesus. Um, but then Rosario Dawson, like she's perfect. I love her. So, I love Rosario Dawson. I love her in this. There's it. It's always kind of like um, a surprise for me to realize, like, oh, like Rosario Dawson, one of my favorite actresses working today, is like in a Kevin Smith movie, and like she's like really good in it. And again, I'll just say like that, the uh, the, the the dance sequence uh, on the rooftop, like if I wasn't already in love with her, like first time I saw this, I, I this sort of cemented my love of Rosario Dawson. So, um, and it's it's interesting to hear Smith and company talk about like casting Rosario Dawson. Um, they talk about it in the commentary she's not there, uh, and they make a joke about like her not being there. Um, it's like, oh, maybe they didn't, she didn't like working with us, but she's gonna be in Clerks Three, which is good. Um, but she's yeah, like it, it could have been Bryce Dallas Howard, it could have been somebody else, I forget, but like Rosario, Sarah Silverman, I think was an option too, and they all sort of just passed, or they were they had other things to do. Um, <laughs> Uh, 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 what's her name from Grey's Anatomy? Uh, Pompeo like was was gonna do it, but she had to do Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> um, but Rosario Dawson looked at the script. She said, "Great, I'll do it," and it worked out. And it's like it's solid casting. So uh, all that to say, uh, she's just so good in this. I'm. It, it's one of those fits of like. Um, it's interesting. It's, it's, it's interesting to see like a an actor who jumps into the Kevin Smith universe and sort of excels at that. And I think she's one of those people. Like, you're not sure if, like, this actor you've known for years is going is going to play well in, like, a universe like this that's already, like, established with all these characters. But she does a great job. So, yeah, that's that's my – those are my thoughts, mostly on Rosario Dawson. <laughs> yeah, I think that the person who the role was written for was Liv Tyler because they had just worked oh. together in, uh, in Jersey Girl. And also, uh, Jennifer Schwalbach was was going to be that. Yeah. It was going to be in that role, I believe. And I think one one of the Weinstein's said no. So yeah, because at this point, yeah, they were still working with the Weinstein's. And see, that to me is is a mistake. Like, I I think that Rosario Dawson is amazing, and and I can, um, you know, I I like the idea that uh, she came up in the world of indie film at the same exact time that everyone else in this movie did, you know, in, in kids. And, you know, that I think is really cool. At the same time, she has far surpassed any of the people in clerks, right? (laughs) So much so that they've basically just been in clerks. So when you add someone like Rosario Dawson to that mix, while she's, amazing in the movie she's almost like 
too good to be there. Like she's yeah. like dis- distractingly good. <laughs> it, it, <laughs> she does stick out like a sore thumb. I know what yeah. you mean, especially at, okay. And I, I, I praise Dawson. I think she's amazing. But when it comes to, I, uh, I, uh, I personally don't buy <laughs> her and Brian O'Halloran ending up together. That's my, that's maybe my main issue with the whole movie. <laughs> yeah. And not, not, not just for like the basic like she's a movie star, he isn't sort of thing. Um, but hey, I love. Brian O'Halloran, I love Jeff Anderson, but they're not the best actors. Like mm-hmm. they, they, they do their best. So, the scenes where Dante and Becky are together, I get the, I get the essence of that relationship. I get like the, 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 the conflict, the struggle, the drama. There, it works overall. But yet, I still don't buy it. <laughs> it's like why mm-hmm. Brian O'Halloran and Rosario Dawson, I don't think make the best couple. That's my issue with it. I mean, I think casting Schwalbach in that role would have been perfect because it is in the spirit of the original movie where it's like kind of using the people that you have, you know, in your friend's circle or whatever. Uh, And I think she would have been fine. I mean, it's so, so weird that, I mean, she's not an actor. Like, she was a journalist. She was a writer for USA Today. Like, how how do you stumble upon someone who can do that? You know? Because it's not easy. No, no. And, and, and I think she does a good job as Emma. Yeah. Like, that, that, I think it's a solid, like, solid role for her. And, yeah, like, I, I guess I forgot that she was a journalist until I did some research today. And, yeah, I'm with you. It's like, how... First off, how do you even talk her into that? Right. <laughs> it's like, hey, star in yeah. my next movie. Mm-hmm. She goes, uh, fine. Because w- wasn't she in Jersey Girl too? In uh, like one scene, yeah. In one scene, right? Um, and now like in, in a in a much bigger uh, role in this. Um, yeah, that conversation. I'm sure he's talked about it before. I'm sure she's been on the podcast to talk about it before. And one of yeah. his many podcasts of like that rationale. It's like, hey, I uh, we're married. Why don't you be in a movie of mine? Which I think makes sense considering you know the whole muse thing and mm-hmm. you know directors putting their wives in movies and in, in ways it, i see that relationship between them it's actually sweet yes but it's it is like a shock that like she's like she, she fits like she fits in that world like maybe that's why he married her it's like he he saw her as like a, a key part of all this and 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 is, isn't uh isn't their daughter in this movie too right yeah, in in like one shot you know i yeah. mean she she's she's in reboot you know and and i mean kind of the interesting thing kind of looking forward to clerks three you know in addition to everyone coming back you know the 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 addition this time around is the guy who's dating his daughter who is ah. he he is an actor you know i mean he's not like he does like i don't know he's on like a tv show or something like that you know but i just i i like the idea of that like he's not a star he is like a friend and you're going to put him in this thing you know i mean if and and it's quite possible that he would have felt the same way like like live tyler makes sense again because it is sort of from that era even though she was you know like big i mean she was 
you know, Steven Tyler's daughter. It's not like she just came yeah. from no, she wasn't discovered by Larry Clark or something like that, you know? Um, but at least it, it has that sort of like era specific, whatever, but like, you know, some of the other people that you mentioned, like Bryce Dallas Howard or Ellen Pompeo, like that just doesn't seem like a, a good fit with, with what they're going for. Like Dawson seems to at least fit in some way with that, with that thing of the original movie. But I agree. I mean, if you were going to cast someone else, I mean, I, I feel like you would need to do it or you should have done it like you did the first movie and, you know, go to your local, you know, community theater or whatever and find <laughs> someone that way. Of course, I, I also do understand that probably a big factor was, star power right and yeah saying, well, that's, like i got rosario dawson in this movie is going to get clerks two made so so what they said in the commentary was like they went through sort of like the big names that i'm assuming uh the weinsteins handed to them it's like listen like we're the weinsteins we care about big names so here is a list of big name actresses that you could cast in this role and Smith was like, okay, we'll go to all these. We'll go to Bryce Dallas Howard, Sarah Silverman, Ellen Pompeo. And Rosario Dawson apparently was the last on the list. And Smith was like, okay, we're going to try Dawson. Uh, as, soon as, she, as soon as she says no, we're going to do our own thing. And I think at that point, they would have cast whoever they wanted in that role. That didn't need to be a big name star. But Dawson said, I'll do it. And they did it. So yeah, to your point, it's like that. it would have been interesting if they got if they didn't have that, you know, <laughs> those those dudes breathing out their necks about that one thing, because they the one scene t- they they did that they they were that uh, intrusive, I guess, when it, when it came to stuff like that casting, um, which is unfortunate, but hey, it worked out here. Yeah, and and she does aside from the fact that that she's you know a, a few levels above. <laughs> <laughs> you know the the other the other actors in the movie like she does seem like the perfect Kevin Smith actor you know yeah, she's yeah, a huge she's a huge nerd you know she uh, I mean there was just a thing today where apparently at C2E2 someone up on stage asked her a question and she just inadvertently revealed that uh oh. they're making more Punisher <laughs> Yeah, episodes. I saw that. <laughs> like, so that's cool, you know. But I mean, like, she's someone who actually cares about that. I mean, she's yeah. she's in Star Wars, she's in Marvel, she's you know she she's talked about wanting to be a Klingon, you know. I mean, that's just cool. I mean, that's just who she is, and and seems like a perfect fit with with Kevin Smith. So absolutely, so yeah. that's cool. And, uh, going back um, to uh, Trevor Furman uh, and and to this whole conversation about like them. Uh, hiring people, usually hiring people they know. Like if you if you look at Trevor uh, Furman's like credits, like he doesn't have many. One of them, uh, one credit he had before Clark's Two was starring in a movie directed by Jeff Anderson. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, and Smith was like gave the script to Jeff Anderson. It's like here, and when you're reading it, keep in mind that I want to cast Trevor Furman as Elias. So that was that was interesting. Another. Another point, another thing to add to your point, Mike, about like, yeah, it feels like this movie, some of it was cast sort of like they're casting Clerks 1. It's like people we know, friends of ours. And yeah, sure, Rosario Dawson may be, you know, not completely aligned with that. But still, like you said, 
I think she fits well. I think uh, uh, who knows if it would have been more interesting if if the casting was rearranged, you know, to something Smith would have wanted maybe. But the way it worked worked out here, it's like I I can't I can't see anybody else really in that role because it's it's just it's just so good uh, her in it. Um, but yeah, she's great. Yeah, I guess the other interesting thing about Trevor Furman, if I'm not mistaken, sh- he's married to. Renee Humphrey, who played uh, Trisha Jones in Mallrats. Oh, yeah, I yeah, that's that's, that's interesting. Kind of Did a, I know that. interesting little yeah, whatever. Mm-hmm. But regardless, um, so yeah, I mean that, that's one of the things which I am excited about with Clerks Three is that all of these people from Clerks Two are returning, and it's not it's not like Clerks Two never happened. It's not you know whatever. I mean, even though people don't like this movie as much as the original clerks three is building on it you know it's it's this thing which happens which i always find fascinating because it's like i mean it's like some i mean the fact that no time to die for example is a direct sequel to a movie that everybody hates i mean i like (laughs) but you know you're the one I mean, yeah. it, that, there's just that's just like a thing. I mean, similar reaction to Jurassic World. It's very much a sequel to Jurassic World too. Um, so, Mike, you're you're more tapped into the Kevin Smith world than I am. Um, yeah. Why do why do people not like this movie? I mean, is it is it just because it's not in the same vein as like the first Clerks? Is that the main reason? I mean, uh, I I think generally speaking, people do like this movie. You know, okay. they're just not as through the roof uh, with it as they are with the first one, you know? Oh, yeah. Like, Smith has consistently said, I don't know if this has changed, you know, with some of the stuff that's come after, but he's consistently said that he thinks this is his best movie. Yeah. Uh, In in the special features, and this could just be just because it's, like, the, the latest one he made. Like, when he did the DVD special features, he goes, yes, this is the best movie I've done so far. It's like, it's my number one. And then there's a moment where he asks Scott Mosier, and Scott Mosier, like, kind of, like, avoids the question at first. He goes, well, yeah, I guess this is the, the best movie we've done so far. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but he's maintained yeah. that, you know? I mean, I, I, I don't good, know. Which is good. I, like, Clerks 3, maybe, maybe that's going to, you know, dethrone it or whatever but yeah i mean stuff like red state or whatever i mean that's you know but i think clerks 2 has consistently sort of been his favorite and i think i i, I totally see why he would say that because it it does sort of um it shows his strengths as a director like it's it's not him completely falling back on old ideas it's him trying new ideas while also you know Revisiting characters from before, I, I totally see why this would be still his favorite that he's done. Yeah, yeah. On this rewatch, it didn't work for me as much as it had in the past. You know, I mean, just kind of like you know, I have an idea just in my mind of like where Kevin Smith's movies rank in general, mm-hmm. and this one was always sort of like more towards the top. And and looking at it now, I'm like, it's not really it's not really as good as like Jay and silent Bob strike back, you know, for example, like it, it, it did not blow me away the way that it did when I first saw it or whatever. And, and I, I feel like, um, I feel like, I mean, I, I think it's very good, but I feel like he's done better work that maybe hasn't gotten as much attention, at least for me. Um, 
and 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 it is interesting that I've always kind of like seen this as sort of a pair with Zach and Miri. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, uh, there's a lot of reasons for that. And maybe it's because it was like the two movies that he made with, you know, uh, the Weinstein company. Maybe it's because he did these back to back and it's the first time that he had like Dave Klein back. Maybe it's because Jeff Anderson is in both of them I, after they had like a huge falling out. And there was a lot of, you know, um, skepticism on whether or not, you know, Clerks 2 would ever actually get made. Uh, I I thought for part of it might be that the stories are similar, even though they're not really. Um, but this time around, I don't really see it as much. I don't see the, them as being a pair. I mean, those things are all superficial, but in terms of like the movie themselves, like when I would think back on those, I'd, I'd be like, oh, well, there's Clerks 2 and Zack and Mary, and I'm not exactly sure which one's better or which one's worse because they're both pretty great. And, you know, I mean, we'll see after Zack and Mary next week, but I think that I'm I'm more familiar with Zack and Mary than a lot of his stuff from, from this time frame, and I think that that one's going to pull ahead for me pretty, pretty far. I, I can say having revisited both Zack and Mary and Clerks 2 in the last few months, um, yeah, Zack and Mary is a lot better. Zack and okay. Mary is. Right. <laughs> I, I, I've I've made grand statements before about what's my favorite Kevin Smith thing. I keep changing it every time I say it. <laughs> at one point, I was like Dogma, Clerks the animated show, or um, at one point I would have said Clerks too, but Zack and Mary still takes the cake for me. I think right now, today as we're recording, I think Zack and Mary may be the best thing he's done. Kevin Smith. Okay. F- feature films, let's say. And yeah, it, it I think it shows like fascinating growth for uh, um, he's grown a lot as a director and I could totally see that in Clerks too, but I could definitely see it. It's like clear for me in, in Zack and Mary. It's like that's the director I want Smith to be is, is him as a director in Zack and Mary make a porno. And again, we're not talking about that movie. We're talking about Clerks too, but I'm saying Zack and Mary also has that thing I love about this movie about how no matter how bumpy the ride is, you know, leading up to the end, that end always falls like perfectly and emotionally. And it hits me every time. Uh, the ending to this and the ending to Zack and Mary. Uh, he's, he's great at that. And I don't think he does it uh, as good in any of the movie than Zack and Mary. So that's how I feel right now. Even though I like Clerks 2 a lot, I think Zack and Mary does does it a lot better. Like whatever, you know, emotional, like uh, uh, um, character-based dramas he's trying to do now, like Zack and Mary is like the pinnacle of that for me. Okay, well, uh, you know, let's, how, how about we talk about the the thing that bridges... Oh, yeah. Um, Clerks 2 and, and Zack and Miri, which is another uh, oddity, but also kind of an interesting step on his development, and that is um, Reaper. Yes. Which is a um, television show which came out in 2007. It lasted for two seasons, and uh, it was created by uh, Tara Butters and Michelle Fizikas who are the creators also of um, probably most notably the Agent Carter TV show. I I think that's probably what most people would know them from. Um, And Kevin Smith was hired to direct the pilot, 
which is really interesting because for a number of reasons. One, he had never directed anything that he hadn't written himself before. So there's that. Two, um, he had never directed television before, really. So, so there's that. And I guess three is it really is kind of a different... I mean, in a lot of mo- ways, it's the same thing that he always does, but in a lot of ways, it is like a different genre and everything with, um, you know, it being sort of like a, a sci-fi comedy thing. I mean, sure, there's there's dogma and there's similarities between this yeah. and dogma, but it's weird. It's weird and different. So, uh, so yeah, for, for those people who don't know, Reaper is basically a show about a guy who is working at basically like a, a Home Depot type of store and uh, it, in, in very much sort of a Dante Randall relationship, sort of whatever it is, except for the fact that, you know, on his 21st birthday, he finds out that his parents sold his soul to the devil before he was born. And now the devil, played by Ray Wise, has basically come back to, you know, collect and given him the task of basically tracking down people who have escaped from hell and sending them back to hell. Yeah. <laughs> and then hijinks ensue. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Had, had you seen this before? No, I never seen it. Heard about it. Um, I I didn't realize it only lasted two seasons because I, I, I it feels more like a cult show now because I, I since it got canceled I did hear about it for a few more years because like people were like oh it's it's great it's one of those underrated shows never seen before until today I saw it I mean just to jump just to cut to the chase like I liked it um, even though I'll never see another episode of the show. <laughs> It's like I'm good um, because yeah the, the the plot itself is it's clunky it's like okay this guy just turned 21 but his parents sold his soul to the devil and now he has to ghost bust these demons to escape from hell and the devil is like uh, like his boss now like he has to capture these demons it's a weird plot I don't it didn't need to be this convoluted but hey Ray Wise of the Devil is pretty cool. I, I, I get, it makes sense that Smith directed this because, like you said, yeah, it has those elements of like these, uh, you know, twenty-year-olds working at this store and their friends and, uh, and I think Smith, I think, does a good job with the with the action here. Surprisingly, you you mentioned Dogma. There are similarities similarities to that, and like just if you if you put Dogma's action scenes next to these action scenes, I can say he's improved as a director. Uh, from what ninety nine to two thousand seven, yeah. so that's that's, that's growth there. Um, but yeah, overall, I liked it. I, I it had a, some Kevin Smith uh, vibes to it, so which is good. So yeah, uh, overall, yeah. I mean, have you only seen this, Mike? Have you seen the rest of the series? Is it any good? I've seen a couple episodes, you know, because I watched this when it came out because it was like, oh, new Kevin Smith. Yeah, I'm definitely going to check that out. And there's actually a podcast where he gets into the nitty gritty of, you know, making it, you know, the of process of, of directing a pilot, you know, things like, you know, I mean, for one thing, it sounds like he kind of butted heads with the uh, 
the showrunners, you know, and there were like some things which which they wanted to include in, in the pilot where he's like, we don't have the time or the space to do that. Like, you've got a whole series, you can add that stuff later on. And they're like, no, we want this stuff in there. And they like, he didn't put it in. I don't know. Just like weird <laughs> things like that, you know? Um, he, well, you know, th- this is almost a tangent, but. I, uh, I I did a little research uh, just reading about Jer- Jersey Girl earlier, and th- there was a comment sort of similar where he says he's talking about the cinematographer who was who, who was it uh, Vilmos Vilmos uh, Sigmund yeah yeah Sigmund and Smith called him like an orny old man or something mm-hmm. <laughs> that, yeah. that, that happens a lot right with Smith that uh, I, that's that may be a problem. Right where he he has these confrontations, these butting of heads of people he's working with. Not to say, I mean, hey, in Clerks Two, it's like he's got his old friends back. He's more comfortable that way. Maybe that's just his deal. He's more comfortable working with people he knows and not, you know, eighty-year-old cinematographers who've won like seven Academy Awards. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think I'm guessing that probably most productions have similar scenarios. It's just one of those things where. He talks about it all the time. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah. You, that's a good point. <laughs> this, yeah. happen, this happens probably more often than we think, and we only know about the like these interactions because yeah, Smith likes to talk. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I mean, I've seen this pilot probably like three or four times, uh, and I, I enjoy it. Um, I, I think it's kind of a, a fun, you know, show in the same vein as like something like Chuck, which you know is. Oh yeah, probably big at that particular moment in time, but it, it does. You know, it's not like I, I feel the need to watch the rest of the series. But um, you really do see his growth as a filmmaker, especially like now when you're just watching it for what he brought to it as a director. Like the idea that someone was like, "Let's hire him because he's a good director." I mean, that's interesting that 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 would happen. I mean, maybe they're also hiring him because he's a name, you know, but I I don't know. It's just kind of a fascinating thing. And in that regard, I think that, you know, a lot of the stuff that he built is interesting. It is kind of crazy, like watching Clerks and this back to back, like just looking at like the sets. It's like, wow, you know, TV, you really don't have that much money, do you? But <laughs> it, it, it does. It does look good. So the, I, I'll tell you the uh, the action scene where they fight the the fire demon, the mm-hmm. main the villain of the of the of the week. Um, like again, like I, I, I'll say, like it, it does give off like uh, dogma vibes, and I wish he had this in him when he directed Dogma. I wish he. It, it's. I don't know if it's either. Maybe he talks about it on the podcast, like. Did he storyboard it or did he have like a second unit direct it? I wonder that. Um, and and the big thing I wanted to see in alternate universe after seeing Clerks 2 and Reaper today, I'm like, well, I would have loved to have seen his Green Hornet. I, I kind of wanted – I would have liked to have seen him take that dive and see what would have happened. Um, yeah. Maybe it would have turned out like Cop Out. Who knows? It would have been a bad experience for him maybe, but – I kind of wish he had gone that route. I kind of wish he 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 had taken that chance because like because well, like not to just I guess we're going back to it, Mike. But like the reason he didn't do it was because he didn't feel confident enough as an action director, right? Is that his main reason he didn't do it? Yeah, yeah. Which I mean, you know, he said he said, but at the time he was like, oh yeah, no, I mean, like, do you, you know, do you think that 
you know, Brian Singer is directing those action scenes in X-Men 2? No, he's definitely not. You know, like that sort of thing. <clears throat> and, yeah, I mean, I can see why he was scared, especially since he just tried something different with Jersey Girl and that failed. So he's worried about failing again, you know? Yeah, yeah. But, I, I mean, for years and years and years now, you know, whenever the idea of a new comic book movie comes up and people are like who should should direct it i'm always like kevin smith and it pretty much doesn't even matter what it is i'm like it should be kevin smith and everyone's like what no and, and i'm like why not you know i mean do you think that like i mean do you watch something like half nelson and think like these filmmakers would make a really good Captain Marvel movie, <laughs> you know. Well, that that's 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 I guess that's the thing. Well, again, this is opening up a, a Pandora's box of conversation. But I mean, uh, what if they announce tomorrow Kevin Smith is directing Avengers? What's the what's the last one? Uh, the because they just hired the guy to do the yeah. first Avengers, yeah, Secret Wars or something, yeah, whatever. Secret, Secret what, Wars, yeah, yeah, whatever the next big Avengers movie. They go, Kevin Smith is the director. How would you feel about that? I would think that that was the most amazing thing ever. And <laughs> I mean, there's like this stigma attached to it, which is like, hey, you can never that will never happen. But like the guy who's directing, you know, this, who directed Shang-Chi with some of the best action sequences in any yeah. of these Marvel movies, it's like his biggest movie before that was just Mercy, you yeah. know? But, a great movie, I mean, but nothing in it suggests that that person would be capable of doing the bus scene in Shang-Chi. You know what I mean? <laughs> It, but, it, but it is falling into that into that trap of the Marvel machine and like uh, like like you mentioned before, it's like, is Brian Singer really directing those scenes, those action sequences? No. Are the directors of Marvel movies actually directing the action sequences? Maybe they're giving you know approvals on on things, but the action the, the second unit, the action directors on it, the, the they're the ones directing those scenes. Yeah. Regardless of that, like somebody like. Uh, Maybe James Gunn isn't the best example. Maybe it is, but I think like uh, his Marvel movies are amazing, or and are, are, and the Suicide Squad is amazing. And he started as like you know a trauma guy, and but he's shown real growth as a director. Um, just looking at like Slither to like Guardians and Suicide Squad, like he's he's done amazing work. Um, and I, I maybe this is a revelation. Maybe this is like. A, a progress for me being on the show like for the third episode now like I see I, I I think even before this podcast I was telling you it's like I don't think Smith is like the best director but now I'm thinking I'm realizing it's like he is like he has shown that he has grown and I kind of wish he would still I don't my point is I don't see growth in movies like Yoga Hosers yeah. <laughs> or or Jane Silent Bob reboots that's not the growth I'm talking about I wish he had taken a different route. And again, this is just, this, we have to also factor in, like we said before, it's like every time he has a failure, he's seen, he's, 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 he takes like one step forward, two steps back. So after Jersey Girl, I don't blame him for sort of like retreading in a way and going to Clerks 2 and not taking that, you know, big studio Green Hornet film. I get it, Smith. But again, I kind of wish he did 
maybe he would have had a Marvel movie by now that would have been, you know, the number one movie in the world. And then he could have done Clerks 3 anyway, you know, but that's not the world we live in. Yeah. And, and I mean, I, I think part of what Clerks 2 is dealing with is that idea of him making Clerks 2, coming to the realization that what he really wants to do is Clerks 2. Right. Yeah. Well, that that's a good point. That's actually something I didn't connect until just now. That makes sense because like it, it is about characters sort of like in a way regressing to what what they're used to, but yet in- incrementally growing as people. Like it it doesn't have to be like moving away or getting married or whatever. It can be just buying a business and 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 working at a store you've worked at for like 20 years like maybe that's growth like maybe sticking to writing these characters you've written for for decades um but giving more a little bit more money to do it maybe uh you know just making other movies that are not as big and uh that's growth in his way like it and hey (laughs) i saw that but smith is doing great now I mean, uh, right? He's, he's 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 got all his podcasts. He's got all, he's got the shops. He's just bought a theater, so he's doing fine. You know, he doesn't need a Marvel movie, although I'm sure he'd love to do one. <laughs> I mean, he he insists, like, because I mean, on on his one podcast, you know, they basically talk about the Marvel movies on a weekly basis, you know, and yeah. he insists that he does not want to make a Marvel movie because. This is what he enjoys watching for entertainment, and the idea yeah. of making one just seems like, uh, you know, hell on earth or whatever. But he always insists that he would love to be in one. <laughs> he's like, he's like, I don't want to make one, but if they put me in one, I'd be totally into that, you know. Um, but I mean, that is, you know, interesting. I mean, yeah, the fact that, like, you know, Mandalorian, right? Like, that's another one that always comes up. It's like. You're friends with John Favreau. Yeah. The guy who's shooting it started by shooting clerks. Like, if you don't have an in on that show, you know, what What do you, you know what I mean? But, yeah. like, he's like, I don't want to do it. So, okay. He's I, like, don't put me in it. He's still, <laughs> he has said that, you know? So he should just do like a Robert Rodriguez sort of run on one of the seasons of the shows. Just, just do that. And hey, I, uh, I've had, I've had similar complaints about Robert Rodriguez as a filmmaker, and uh-huh. like I don't see him uh, growing as much as I think he should. Because isn't he directing another Spy Kids movie? Um, he is, but that's his clerks in a lot of ways. You know what I mean? That's that's kind of what I'm saying. Yeah. But he, but he, yeah, but he directed some of some great episodes of Boba Fett. Like yeah. uh, I forget which one. I think the season finale he directed, right? Yeah, that he, was, he was like the lead director on Boba. Yeah, Fett. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He directed most of them, right? Except for a few. But overall, I think he did a great job, and I kind of wish Smith would. Because if anything, that's the way to get in. It's like on the shows, like do a Marvel yeah. show, do like a Star Wars show, and. I mean, uh, he, he did do. I mean, we'll we'll get to this, you know, in in a little while. But he did do a ton of the DC shows, the Arrowverse, oh. which is. But that's like a. I mean, that's like Reaper level. You know, that's not. <laughs> that's Reaper level. That's not, uh, by that's the not way, Reaper, Reaper, a mo- a a TV show from the CW. Yes. Uh, I, yes. Yeah. Just, exactly. just, so that's the level we're talking about again. Um, like mid two thousands CW show. Uh, for what it is, like he does a good job, but yeah, it's still a 
mid 2000s CW show. <laughs> I mean, other, I mean, just talking about alternate realities or other, another one which came very close to happening, uh, but didn't. He was uh, slated to direct an episode of Battlestar Galactica. Oh my God. Jesus Christ. I, I just rewatched that series yeah. last year. I love it. One of my favorite shows of all time. I, I, you know what? He would have done. He would have done a good job because that that show, especially like in the, if he had directed one of the maybe first, either the first second season, if he directed an episode from the first second season, I think he would have found like the right episode to, to direct because in those early seasons, they they do sort of like they they did a mockumentary episode is what I'm saying like they 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 can do like a comedy episode and like make it like all and you know there's antics on the bachelor galactica like he, smith would have directed the hell out of one of those episodes and it would have been great so well, I mean, too I, bad smith i can tell you exactly the one that he was going to oh. direct it was oh this is good it was from se- season four episode 13 the oath uh, the, the fleet. Hold on, <laughs> I'm gonna look this up because, like, I I'll tell you if he would have done a good job. The fleet, re- the fleet refuses to cooperate with Cylon engineers, and Adama decides to put an end to it. He sends the quorum a message stating that unless they wish to join Zarek in the cell, they get their people in line. However, Gaeta has already freed Zarek with the help <laughs> of other would-be revolutionists. They allow Zarek to leave Galactica on a Raptor. He lands on Colonial One and enters a gathering of the no. Meanwhile, <sighs> Anders gets ambushed and captured. At the CIC, Gaeta cleverly manipulates everyone else until the time is at hand for the revolution to begin. I, I can't say that I remember exactly what that one was, but I do remember watching it and thinking like, oh, this is the Kevin Smith episode, just because I, I knew that, you know, before going into it, because instead they got John Dahl to direct it. And, you know, it's like, I would have liked to have seen what that was. You know, it would have been interesting. Just to reiterate, you know, I I forget the episode title, but either season one or season two, they do like a mockumentary episode. I think it would have done great doing yeah. that. But looking back uh, on what the oath is, maybe not because it's like basically like a hostage episode, um, a lot of action. Maybe he could, he, he could put it off too. Who knows? But... Again, interesting, you know, yeah. alternate universe sort of decision if, if he would have done that. And that's why he didn't do it. I mean, that was like w- w- his whole thing, which he said, he's like, you come into a show like that in the middle of season four, like everything is established already. Like, yeah. what do you bring to the table? He's like, well, am I going to go up to en- Edward James almost and be like, uh, I think you should play it this way. It's like, <laughs> no, you know, what am I going to do there? So there are like little scenes like between two characters where he could have made interesting choices. But I see what he's saying. I I, yeah. I would agree with him because that show for sure it's like completely streamlined. It's like the director comes in, um, makes enough of an impact. But overall, it's the showrunners running that ship. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, would have been interesting though. Again, like his, I think the thing he needs to do now, not needs to. I would love to see him do like a Marvel show. Give him like a six episode run of something. I don't yeah. even know what it would be. Have him just be the showrunner and director. Maybe he doesn't even have to direct. Maybe he can do like a clerk's animated animated show sort of thing. He just writes the scripts and somebody else directs. Just I, I, I can see him working well in like the, the the 
TV realm because so yeah. far so good. I haven't seen the He Man show, but I heard it's, it's great. So it's good, you know. And he says yeah. that he was trying to basically do like a Mar- his his version of a Marvel movie with that, and oh, yeah. it, it totally works. Um, you know, I mean, the thing for talking about Marvel Kevin Smith things, which never happened, and you know, he was going to be the showrunner on the Howard the Duck cartoon. <laughs> I think I remember hearing that. Yeah. And it got, and it got, what happened? It got shelved, you know, oh, of course, you know, and the other, the other one, the, the other big one where it's like, wow, which is just sort of like went by the wayside. Uh, there's, there's a, um, a Disney series, like there's a Disney like book series about like, basically like the, it's like, it, it sounds to me kind of like, you know, um, a, as if Disney World were like an expanded universe, right? Uh-huh. So like there's like various like rides and stuff which I don't know come to life. I don't even think it's that one. I mean cuz that's another thing. But it, it's like the idea that there's like this like I don't know. <laughs> Wait, so uh, like a nightmare at the museum, but at Disney World? Yeah, well, so 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 there's that, right? And I, I like that, like that was going to be a movie at one point that like Ron Moore was writing. I don't think that this is the same thing, but it might be. But okay. doing it as a and it was like, I mean, they were doing it. It was a Disney Plus show. Like he was on board as showrunner. It was like they showed him the volume and everything. They were huh. like, this is going to happen. And then there was a regime change, and essentially what the uh, powers that be said were, like, you're going to be using, like, all of our Disney World IP on one show. Why would we do that when we can make a, you know, Space Mountain movie and a Jungle Cruise movie and a Pirates of the Caribbean movie and, you know what I mean? Yeah. So that's why that... But I mean, he's come close. He's come close, so close to doing these things. So but I, I, I have a feeling, honestly. Like, let's look into the future. Like, Clerks Three. Let's say it's a it's it's a big of a hit as as you could be with like what the release model is for that movie, right? And yeah, I, uh, I maybe by the end of the year, maybe they'll announce something. A Marvel property or a Star Wars thing that he directs, and I, I wouldn't be surprised because at this point, I think it, it's not like he needs to be redeemed, but maybe he needs to be redeemed in the eyes of some people who think he's a bad director at this point. You know, he just released a fucking NFT movie this year, and mm-hmm. his last movie was one of the worst things ever. No, I'm exaggerating. It wasn't that good. Um, it was fine, uh, but yeah, it's it, it, it would have surprised me actually, Mike, if like. In, in the next few weeks, months, he does get like a big gig like that. Um, and, it, and I'd be anticipating it. Like, I, I think he has that potential. I say that now, like after having seen a Reaper episode that he did like 12, no, 15 years ago. So yeah. I haven't seen the Flash episodes he directed. So I don't know if he still has it in him to do that sort of thing on TV again. Because the He-Man show is animated, right? So that's like a yeah. different. So he's not th- directing those or whatever. But he's yeah. he is the showrunner saying like, you know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's directing the voice actors and stuff like that, but yeah, it still counts. Essentially, yeah. I mean, yeah, not officially, but yeah. But I mean, to me, I mean, just looking at his his career, I I, I don't like aside from doing like one off episodes, like for Flash or whatever, you know, coming in and doing, you know, I could see him doing 
I could see him doing an episode of uh, um, Peacemaker, you know? Yeah, or uh, the new Daredevil show. Maybe you yeah, could do that. I could, yeah, I, I could see that happening. Um, but I think, like, as far as, like, authorship is concerned, I think it's... Uh, we're, you're, yeah, aside from like the little movies that he makes for himself, I think what we're going to see him do more than anything is become like a showrunner on yeah. like miniseries or something like that. You know, I mean, I get, I've said before, like his biggest strength is his writing. Yeah. If he just decided right. to do, to be a showrunner and not direct or just direct some of the episodes. Like, and that's what, yeah, that's so that'd be many, the best case scenario. So many came so close, like that. Uh, what's his, well, he just and he loves like he just does this like offhandedly, like oh yeah, by the way, and it's like wait, what? Nobody knew. <laughs> He's like, I think this was announced. Maybe I'm wrong. Like the one that he he did like a few months back. He's like, yeah, I think it was announced. Like we came like really, really, really close to doing a Buckaroo Banzai animated oh, series yeah. for Apple and Keanu Reeves was going to do the voice of Buckaroo Banzai. Jesus, I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> and then Keanu Reeves is like, oh, I'm busy. And then the whole thing falls apart, you know? Of course. But like, God. I, I Again, this is going back to him talking a lot. Like, I wonder how many other directors have this many these major projects that haven't gone that, but they, we don't know about it cause they just don't talk about it. Yeah. Like, no, I'm sure that's how it is. You know? Yeah. Like I wonder how many jobs Soderbergh, Steven Soderbergh, for those who don't know mm-hmm. how many jobs he almost had that he yeah. just passed on. Probably a so, lot. Probably a lot. lot. They offered him a James Bond movie, right? Soderbergh. Yeah. He was like, yeah, it's, it's our, our, it doesn't line up. Like, I think he had talks with them and then ultimately he's like, yeah. Yeah, that's right. I remember I that. And then he goes, what you want me to do. Yeah, exactly. He goes, I wouldn't direct a James Bond movie. They would want to direct. They did Haywire. So there you go. Yep. And hey, Kevin Smith does He-Man instead of doing, you know, uh, a Marvel movie. So hey, that's that's the trade-off we get. And again, I heard it's good. So again, this is not, I, I'm trying not to sound like a guy who's like, this is what Smith should do. <laughs> yeah, no, no. <laughs> He's doing fine. <laughs> it's, it's just, it's, a, it's an interesting thing for someone yeah. who... Has never, in my mind, gotten sort of like the respect that he's due in, in a lot of this ways. This is true. Yeah. You know, because there is some sort of weird stigma, I think going all the way back to Clerks, which is like, he doesn't know how to direct because it's cheap. And it's like, he made that money for no, he made that movie for no money when he was 22 years old, you know? Yeah. Cut the guy some slack, you know? Yeah. Jeez. But anyway. And- Again, yeah, we could go on and on, but hey, yeah. <laughs> you have more episodes uh, uh, to record, Mike, with other people who will give you greater insight on his future movies. But I think we did a good job with Clerks and Clerks Two and uh, Reaper. Yeah, so, yeah. And yeah. any final thoughts on Clerks Two? Just the one thing I wanted to bring up is I, I said earlier, like some of it doesn't hold up. I don't think some of the racial slur talk holds up. Yeah. It, 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 it now sounds more like what a right wing comedian would say, you know, about the uh, cancel culture and like uh, the PC police, not to say it's like some of it is funny. Sure. But I, uh, maybe just not, not to the standard of like what I, I like Smith to do. So maybe, maybe too, too much of an easy punching bag, all that stuff. Yeah. Because just the fact that, Jeff Anderson just says all those racial slurs in like one sentence. It's <laughs> it's shock for the sake of shock, and again, it, it, it hasn't aged perfectly. Yeah. But other th- other than that, like 
I, uh, there are other instances like that, but other than that, it, it definitely holds up. And I think, like I keep saying, like the final gut punch of the end, the emotional finale of the movie, like it does sort of lift this movie up for me higher than it should, I guess. Like, cause uh, the thing I love about Smith is he, he knows what he's doing when it comes to those emotional arcs and resolutions and, and just getting to like the real essence of something, like making something true. So he's good at that. Um, so that's my thoughts on Clerks too. And Reaper it was all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was fine. It was fine for sure. So, all right. Well, um, yeah, I, I guess my, my thoughts on, on, on Clerks too is that I, I do still think that it's very good, but it it, it has slipped down, uh, you know, on in the uh, in the rankings for me. Um, but I'm still very much looking forward to Clerks three, uh, it, and and uh, yeah, I, it was great to see these characters again, you know, on on the big screen. So oh yeah, there's one thing I wanted to bring up. Just I'll quickly say, like I do like that that this. I was going to bring it up in regards to like um, people not liking Clerks 2 because it's sort of like, and we talked about this too, uh, Mike, about it being tonally off from the first one. Regardless of all of that, I do like this has now become like his, you know, before trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, seeing the character ages age throughout the years. Yeah. I think that's, that's something that I think elevates it. Uh, time uh, elevates this series, and I, I'm I'm excited about Clerks three because I wonder. Uh, I just hope he lands it, and I hope he. It does feel like he has something to say because of that heart attack plotline in Clerks three, and if anything, that and seeing these characters age and all it, that will make it worth it. So I hope he pulls it off with Clerks three. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. All right. Well. Uh, that's it for this week or for this time we'll be back soon with another episode talking about zach and mary make a porno um we're going to be joined by thomas from double edged double bill so so that should be cool um but until next time marcella where can people find you on the internet they can find me over at talkfilmsociety.com uh go to our patreon and support us so we can keep making podcasts like these. We can we can push them out on our network. Uh, thanks to patrons like you over at patreon.com slash talkfilmsociety. Um, got commentaries by Marcus and I. We just did Tenant uh, last month. Um, I forget when this, when this is coming. Oh, this is coming out in a few weeks. So by this time, you'll probably hear a commentary we're going to do. This is, this is breaking news because I haven't said this anywhere else. And nobody cares either, so it's not that important. We're gonna do. I want us to do a uh, Nathan for you finding Francis commentary because for those who know about Nathan Fielder and F- finding Francis, there's a lot to talk about. So look for that in the future if you're a patron or it's already out there already. So there you go. Uh, Patreon.com/slash Talk from Society. All right. You can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Mumbles3K, and you can also find me on my website, filmdamagepod.com, where I do a show called Film Damage, where we talk about um, film projection, Star Trek, and time travel. Uh, yeah, so so that's about it. Um, so thanks for joining us. And uh, Zach and Mary Make a Porno is next. Very excited about it. One of my favorite Thanksgiving movies. Um, but until then, if you plan to podcast, let us know. Thank you.